I'm ready to go, man. I see that red button on over there. Yes, sir. We live. Man, you almost you tried to get me. Bro. I did. I wasn't fast enough. <laughs> I wasn't fast you enough. You didn't catch me bothering Scrappy, did you? No, I didn't get that part. Okay. Scrappy over there snoozing. What's up, folks? Can you hear me loud and clear? Do I, I have my microphone stuff right? Okay. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I'm 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 trying to make sure I'm straight since I I panicked a little bit. <laughs> Ironically, we telling people to come off the damn ledge and don't panic. <laughs> and you over here I just saw that red button. <laughs> <laughs> I was like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> I, I was like, whoa, he done got me. <laughs> What's up, everybody? It's your co-host of the I Got Sense podcast, also known as the IGCP. My name is Andre. I'm a young entrepreneur and the mentee of the brother beside me. I run a video production company called Cali Creations, and I represent the younger audience on this here podcast, also known as the Millennials. And I provide the perspective from a young up-and-coming entrepreneur, being mentored by someone who is established, seasoned, Wise beyond his years and mine, Shyan Simmons. What's going on? What up? What up? It's your boy DJ Dividends, the original financial educator. And man, it's good to be back here in uh, Southern California, ain't it? We right. ain't on the coastal San Pedro no more. We no. out here in the OC, but man, it's still nice. Is this Irvine? We in Irvine? We in Ur to the V I N E. Okay. It's still nice and sunny. Yeah, nice and quiet. It's still the Southern Cali dog pound. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't happy with the traffic, but uh, <laughs> it's good to be back in uh, the Southern Cali dog pound for a little bit, man. You know, me and Sky Girl, we have to come out. Well, I come out once or twice a month. Sky Girl is out here every week. <laughs> is she really? Just about. Oh, man, for work or what? For work, yeah. You know, she uh switched roles over at the job, and now she managing other employees. Okay. Ooh, that's a hard big stepper. job. Yeah, that's a hard job over there, man. She that's gotta, a big stepper. She got to get some uh, uh, um, infrastructure put in place and probably crack the whip and, uh, you know, um, work hard this year, uh, first uh, year or so to uh, get the team shaped and molded. Yeah, the way she needs it uh, shaped and molded for her to get the results she needs. So yeah, she's a uh, she's she she has to be out here on the ground quite a bit um, in the Southern California uh, Cali dog pound, uh, getting getting things together. Okay, okay. Well, shoot. Kudos to. Miss CEO Lashina McCurdy, we're gonna give her a round of applause on the new JOB. Yeah, give her some flowers. Yeah. Well, today, folks, we're gonna continue our conversation on stocks. We've been heavily conver- we've been heavily focused on the stock market because of everything that's going on. We talked y'all off the ledge at last episode. The episode before that, we dove into the history of the stock market. And this week we are going to share with you some characteristics of a good stock investment. And we've kind of graced over this a little bit in previous episodes, especially in the earlier episodes of our podcast, but we're getting real specific today. We're going to share with y'all some, well, we got one, two, three, four, five, five, potentially six keys, gems, special things you could look for that make a good, Stock investment. Yeah, and these here things are vital now that we're in this here recession 
And, um, you know, um, I ain't trying to fire no shots, Andre, but you know I harp on this here. Since we are officially in a recession now and the market is in the red, you don't see all those financial gurus out there, do you? Yeah, I ain't seen nothing about nobody <laughs> buy my course. I think, if anything, I'm seeing seminars pop up now. Yeah. It ain't so much digital. Right, exactly. But uh, it's easy for everybody to be an expert on making stock recommendations when we in that bull market. Right. When we were uh, uh, May 2020 all the way up into January 2021, everybody and their mama was making recommendations and talking about what they did and how much money they made. And then... Uh, February, March of 2022 came around, and uh, you could hear a rat piss on cotton now. <laughs> Where do you come up with these sayings, man? We need a book. Man, you know I'm just old country boy. <laughs> rat pissing on cotton. I'm using that. We need that on a T-shirt. Man, you can't hear it at all. And uh, I'm the only one over there on the I Got Sense Patreon page dropping uh, gems uh, almost three days a week. Yeah. Giving people the recommendations and still telling them where to go. So today, I want to focus on the characteristics of what individuals should look for if they still looking to invest because we've been talking people off the ledge. Yep. We've been explaining the history of the stock market and how recessions are a regular part of the uh, uh, stock market cycle. Mm -hmm. And we've also been um, informing people and educating them that the best time to buy is during a recession when the stocks are down, you're getting them at a discount. So with all that being said, today we wanted to focus on some characteristics of identifying some good stock investments. Does that make sense what I'm saying or am I just rambling on? Well, what I heard you say is we are about to empower the folks on how they can look out for good stocks to invest in without us telling them absolutely yeah they don't they don't they don't necessarily need to come to dj dividends or andre to get investment but people that are not um um people that don't specialize in this here and don't have the skill sets typically they do feel comfortable with a subject matter expert mm -hmm. giving them advisement and so we don't mind and uh you know i beg and plead for y'all to go over to that i got sense podcast and subscribe over there <laughs> on, on the patreon.com on patreon <laughs> yes but I, I still want to empower the folks and give them the financial education to be able to do this themselves because right. there are tons of investment opportunities out there mm -hmm. but most of them ain't good ones facts and so uh, when you have those opportunities out there, you have to be able to filter out all that noise and get down to the quality stuff. And so we want to give you five things to look for when you're considering investing in the stock. And remember, we said um, in that last uh, uh, episode or maybe uh, the one before that, that you can't just be out there looking for uh, a, a stock that has a low price. Facts. That's not a good indicator of uh, it's being a uh, it being a quality investment. It it could be, but that's not a end all be all. Right, and and you know what I notice with early investors, and it's no knock to them. It's just that I want to challenge them to think beyond the just what I'm going to explain here. And conversing with some new investors, and they're excited, right? And they're looking at these stocks, and they're like, "Oh, I see." such and such i feel like this stock is good and i always mm -hmm. pose this question what makes you feel that this stock is good it's got to be something that is analytical it's got to be something that you've observed it's got to be something factual that indicates that this stock 
has the potential to rise or fall. And that's, and that's typically where most new investors go wrong mm-hmm. because they make their stock selections and they make their decisions based on non-analytical information. Mm-hmm. And because um, just about every time I have a client that I'll do a Zoom meeting with or do a face-to-face and we pull up the uh, computer and then I open up a chart and then we start looking at the five-year trend line mm-hmm. and they start showing me what they have. And uh, when you, uh, you, know, you ask enough questions, typically by questions two or three, um, they basically go ahead and say, well, somebody else told me to do it. Yeah. And so that's where a lot of folks go wrong. Uh, either someone else advised them or they only had a little bit of money. And with a little bit of money, they were looking for a low price stock so that they can get several shares of stock rather than focusing on finding a good quality company and maybe getting only one share of a stock. Yeah, that's facts, man. And uh, yeah, so today's episode, we're going to dive right into it. Here are five things to look for when considering an investment opportunity. So what's the first one? What do you think the first one is? It's my drum roll. Is that a drum roll over there? (laughs) Number one, long-term viability. Man, if you are ready to invest in a stock, Mm -hmm. but you don't feel like that's a good stock that you would want to be in a relationship with long term, I like prob- how you phrase that. In a relationship, yeah, long term, you probably shouldn't get the stock if you never heard of it before. Go do some research on it. But when you invest, the stock that you invest in should have long term viability. Because remember, here on this podcast, here, despite what everybody else is talking about and what everybody else is recommending. We are buy and hold long-term strategic investors over here. Right. So when we make recommendations and our financial education that we uh, share with you all, um, it is all based on going into an investment, first having a financial foundation, and then second, being willing to commit to that investment three to seven years, preferably seven years. So when you find the stock, It should be a stock that you can see yourself in a relationship with long term. A classic example I can give you is maybe Apple Mm. or Nike. If you are an Apple person and you like your iPhones, you like your iBuds, you like your MacBook, everything you like is Apple and you're going to be with Apple no matter what, then Apple is a good long term viable stock for you to be involved with. Wouldn't you say so, Andre? Absolutely. Nike, if that's your shoe, if you're a Nike guy and all your sweats and shorts and shirts are Nike or either Jordan. If 75 to 90% of your wardrobe is Nike, <laughs> hey, chances man. are you're going to be in a long term relationship yeah. with them. So you might as well stop buying the clothes and start investing in the company. Absolutely. Don't just be a <laughs> consumer. Be an owner also so that when you do go consume, you're doing business with yourself. Right. And then when those um, uh, share prices go up, when those dividends uh, checks come out, you're investing in yourself and you're building wealth. Mm-hmm. So definitely, that's the very first characteristic you should look for when you're looking to make an investment. Is that a stock that you can see yourself being in a relationship with long term? And by long term, I mean three to seven years. There it is there. Moving on to number two, drum roll. Market cap 
or the business. All right. So, Andre, we talked about this here in pre-production, and I wanted to make sure that you understood what market cap meant, the definition of market cap. Well, this is how the conversation went. He was like, do you know what market cap is? I said, yeah, I think so. Market cap is yada, yada, yada. Then he got to explain it, and I said, yeah, put it in the show notes. (laughs) Put the definition in the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) The reason reason, uh, 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 market cap is uh, included as one of the characteristics you need to take a look at is because – Market cap is a fancy, sophisticated term that is thrown around quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And it's usually thrown about around by the subject matter experts or the insiders, the financial experts in there. But most of the novice investors and individual investors out there that really are, are, are not deep into this here stuff, they hear it. And it still sounds, you know, sensual to them, but they don't really understand what it means. But basically, market cap is the share price per share of stock times the total number of shares the company has out there. That's what market cap is. Basically, it's the cap in which the number of stocks are available. It's the maximum number of stocks out there circulating, right? Let's say, yeah, let's say Nike issued 500,000 shares of stocks. The market cap is 500,000 shares. No, it's 500,000 shares times whatever the Nike share price is. So Uh Nike's share price might be 150. So Mm -hmm. Nike's market cap, if they had 500,000 shares out there, you would multiply 500,000 times the 150, and this is just a scenario. These are not the actual numbers, folks. But that's how you would calculate the market share. You said 500,000 times 150? Yes, and this is just a scenario. These are not the actual numbers. That's a lot of zeros. So that's 75 million. Okay, so in that Once again, hypothetical. So, yeah, hypothetically. So if you started looking at a company and you looked at their market cap and it said 75 million, now, that $75 million is a good baseline for you to use and bump up against everyone else within that same industry as Nike. So when you start looking at Nike stock, take that $75 uh, million hypothetical number we calculated and measure that against the market cap of Adidas. Measure that against the market cap of New Balance. What other shoes out there, Andre? Um, you said Nike, you said New Balance, you said uh, Adidas. Adidas, we yeah. got Puma, we got Reebok. Now, in terms of them being public, I'm not sure if those two are. Yeah, but that's what, but so do you see how we, we would use market cap here? Mm-hmm. So that market cap would pretty much tell you <clears throat> where your, uh, where Nike is as opposed to all the other competitors within the shoot, the, uh, Athletic shoe uh, game. And to give you guys an accurate depiction of Nike's market cap, it is 169.97 B, which is billion. Like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) So... He we bought our black rival now. Like, whoa. So so you said 1.7 billion? I said 169.97 billion. Okay, so 170 billion. Yeah. So when you start looking at, do I want to invest in Nike? Well, let's take a look at their market cap and compare them against Adidas, um, New Balance, Reebok. Can you look up Adidas? What Adidas is, is thirty-five billion. 
So, 170 billion versus 35 billion. Wouldn't you say that was big bank take little bank? Come on now, y'all knew I had that. I had that on here, (laughs) but we gonna play that instead. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. For money, you gonna need a safe. (laughs) Yeah, you gonna need a safe and some old. So that tells you where Nike is. As compared to Adidas, so who you think would be the more uh, would have more market share? Adidas, no, I'm just playing Nike. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why you would want to take a look at market cap for the business, and then also as you're looking at that market cap and everything, this is one of the little technical things that I teach a lot of investors, along with looking at that trend line. You want to see a low left trend line, but also you want to take a look at the PE ratio. And what is the P.E. ratio? The P.E. ratio is the price per share as compared to the earnings per share within the company. So Price per share as compared to the earnings per share. Yes. Got you. So the price you pay for the share stock compared to how much the company earns per share. So the price per share compared to the amount earned per share for the company. And what I would. Nike is 28. Point five four. So is that twenty eight dollars and fifty four? No, that's just the ratio. So you said twenty eight, right? Uh huh. Okay. So now let me let me go a little further. When you look at a stock Mm -hmm. and you looking to pay for that stock per share, Mm -hmm. the average PE ratio for a good price is gonna be somewhere between twelve and twenty two. If a uh, if a uh, company stock PE ratio is less than twelve, that means that is it is under average price. If it's over twenty two, that means that it's overpriced. Does that make sense? What I'm saying to you? Okay, so if it's more than twenty two, that means it's overpriced. It's it's overpriced. Yes, got you. If, and it's, if it's less under- than. 12 then it's underpriced underpriced okay so and now, it being underpriced is a better bet not necessarily because now if you outside of that normal 12 to 22 p ratio mm-hmm. you have to go back and do a little further analysis see why is this here stock price less than 12 ah okay do some research the same way where is if it's over 22 mm-hmm. you have to go out and take a look at why it's overpriced. Mm-hmm. So in the case of Nike, why is Nike's P.E. ratio so high? Well, they got a $170 billion market cap, don't they? Yeah. You're going to pay a little bit more for Nike, aren't you? Right. So in the case of someone like an NVIDIA, their P.E. ratio is 43. Very, very expensive stock. Their market cap is $418 billion. There you go. <laughs> so... You have to start looking at these here uh, companies' market cap and mm. then going a little deeper looking at that P-E ratio and then first determining is the P-E ratio of this particular company within normal range. Just like when you go um, when you go to the store to buy you, uh, let's say you need to go to the store to buy you a tie, mm-hmm. you have a general idea of how much you should pay for a tie, right? Right. Now, if you go in the store and the tie, you're expecting to pay somewhere around $15 to $20 for the tie, but then you find a tie that's only for $4, something might be wrong with that, right? Right. 
did someone return this? Does it have a stain on it? Is it a um, outdated material? Why is this here um, tie only four dollars? Same thing is you might go in and look for a tie, and then you might find a tie you thought you was gonna pay fifteen to twenty dollars for, but this here tie is listed at two hundred dollars. Now, a question for you. Uh huh. In regards to the price per earnings ratio. Uh huh. It does every stock have that information available? Not, not necessarily, because some stocks might not pub, or some companies might not publish that information. Some companies might not have enough data to calculate that information. So every company's not going to have a P ratio. Okay. So you're not going to find that with every. But most most companies that have been around at least five years, and they are individual stock and not an ETF, they're going to have a P ratio. Gotcha. And that's a good measurement to use when you're also looking at the market cap. But 12 to 22 is the normal range that if if a, a, a company's uh, prices there and their P ratio is somewhere between 12 to 22, that means you're paying of the, the, the average price that you should be paying for it. So a company like J.P. Morgan and Chase, their P.E. ratio is 8 or 9, actually, because 8.7. Okay. So that means you are underpaying for Chase stock. So mm-hmm. now you have to go in there and take a look. Why is Chase stock so cheap now? Mm-hmm. Now their market cap is $344 billion. Okay. And their current price is $117 per share. Yes, so we would have to take all that information, and then I would be concerned about why is that P ratio that low, Mm. which is going to lead us and segue into our third characteristic, which is the financial statements. Oh, there it is. And so on the financial statements, um, let's let's go back to your Chase uh, P ratio. Okay. You said their their P ratio is 8.7, so we'll just say 9. So then I might go look at their financial statements, and I'm first going to go to the income statement. and what I earnings reports? The the income, yeah. The income is the profit and loss. Okay. So the first thing I'm going to do is look at the income statement, and now I want to know, is Chase consistently showing growth in their net profit every year? Because... Usually when you look at the income statements, you want to look at least three years, right? Mm-hmm. So this is 2022. So I would want to look, take a look at 2019, 2020, and 2021 income statements. And when I look at 2018 net income and compare that to 2019, I expect for 2019's net income to be higher than 2018. And then I expect for 2021's net income to be higher than 2020's net income. Does all that make sense to you? Absolutely. So every year, just like with uh, KLE Creations, uh-huh. when you do your financial statements every year, don't you want to see? I want to see that candlestick going <laughs> in a positive direction. You want to see your net profit <laughs> growing every year, right? Absolutely. Doesn't that mean business is doing good? Absolutely. So let's go back to Chase. So if we start looking at Chase, Maybe if we start looking at the net income, mm-hmm. maybe Chase kind of fell off. Okay. Maybe their income decreased in 2021 from what it was in 2020. We don't really know why, but these are some of the things, these are some of the rabbit holes that you can start going down to take a look at why that P, P ratio is less than average. Yeah. 
Same thing. We could go to the balance sheet, another financial statement. And on the balance sheet, we could see that Chase has uh, increased their um, outstanding liabilities by almost 25%. Well, what happened? Well, did they expand? Did they open up five new branches? Did uh, someone uh, have to pay out a billion dollars in a EEOK? What happened over here on the balance sheet that threw things out of whack for that P ratio to be down that low? Mm. You get what I'm saying here? Yeah, I follow you. So uh, typically when you look at financial statements of a publicly traded company to use that as analysis to determine whether or not a company is in good financial shape, you want to use their P&L statement, which is their income statement. P&L stands for profit and loss. Mm-hmm. Um, you also want to take a look at the balance sheet. And then you want to also take a look at the statement of cash flows. That means how much money flew, flowed into the company and how much flowed out. And you know one of the core fundamentals of finances and money and investing is you have to always have more money coming in than going out to have a surplus, right? Mm-hmm. So if you are maintaining your household and you only make $60,000 a year, but you have expenses of 75000 a year, doesn't that mean you headed towards the homeless shelter? Yeah. <laughs> or, or at least sleeping in your car. Right. And washing up in the subway bathroom every morning. Well, it's the same thing with the statement of cash flows. If we see more money going out than coming into the business, then the business is in pretty bad shape. But looking at the income statement, looking at the balance sheet, looking at the statement of cash flows, that can tell you a lot and maybe further explain why the company's P.E. ratio is uh, out of whack. And that's a great example also to justify. You mentioned in video is at 44, right? Uh, yes, I will fact check that right so, now if you give me like two seconds. So, one, when, we, so when we look at NVIDIA, if that P.E. ratio two, is 44. P.E. ratio is... 43.4. Okay, so let's go with 43. But if that, that P ratio is 43 and the average P ratio of a company is somewhere between 12 to 22, mm-hmm. that means you're paying more than double what you should for NVIDIA, right? Say that one more time. If the normal P ratio for a publicly traded company is somewhere between 12 to 22, right? Uh-huh. But NVIDIA's P ratio is at 43. Mm-hmm. That means you're paying more than double what you should for that stock. Right. But when I go over and look at the financial statements and look at the income statement and see that they're killing it over there and they're making a fortune, well, then, then I'm going to have to go ahead and pay a little premium to get me some NVIDIA because uh, the stuff that's doing real good is going to cost a little bit more, right? Right. Because if we went out to buy um, um, a car tomorrow, and you went over and looked at the Honda Civic, and then you went over and looked at the Tesla S model, mm-hmm. aren't you going to pay a tad bit more for that Tesla? Absolutely. <laughs> because that Tesla is premium. Is premium. So that's how you tie back the P ratio and the market cap to the characteristics of whether or not you're dealing with a good company. So typically, if a company's P ratio is more than 22, mm-hmm. Let's say that company's doing pretty damn good. Is that a good translation for you? Yeah. And if the P ratio is under 12, the 
the company is struggling somewhere and you need to find out where that where? leak is. So there was a company that I saw like that and I want to say it was J.P. Morgan Chase. You said they were at eight. Yeah. So that would be one where you got to go back and do your Googles. Yeah, we, we got to go back in and, and Google and find out what's going on with Chase, what's happening over there. And I could tell you right off the top of my head, uh, one thing that's going on over there that I read uh, on my flight uh, home from Atlanta. What's that? So uh, the first time in the history, uh, whatever the CEO, uh, the CEO of uh, Chase Bank, uh-huh. the board of directors, um, they voted for his compensation package. And I think it was maybe like $125 million for his uh, compensation package. Uh-huh. But the shareholders blocked that. They said, hell no, nah, uh-uh. ain't happening this time, chap. No, go ahead and retire. If you're going to threaten to go to another company, deuces. We ain't having it. So that's one thing going wrong over there, Chase. (laughs) I know for a fact because I just read it a couple of days ago. Now, let's take a company like Uber. Okay. Uber IPO'd in 2019. Mm -hmm. They don't have their PE ratio. They don't have... They don't available. have enough data available. Okay. Their market cap is $45.85 billion. Okay. What's a good way to analyze this stock to see if it's a good investment or not? Well, let's go back. So was Uber um, first to market in the industry of uh, ride sharing? I believe so. Okay. Before and, Lyft. And so... Uber did really well coming out of the box, and that's why they did an IPO, right? Mm-hmm. Then Lyft showed up. Mm-hmm. Lyft is their primary competition, right? Right. And then Uber got aggressive and started to expand not only nationwide but also overseas, remember? Mm-hmm. And then you also had some things come up with ride sharing. So there are two major things. First of all, the cab folks started fighting with Uber. Remember that? Right. They didn't want them in the business, so they've been litigating a lot of that stuff. And then the other thing that happened with Uber, remember how Uber was uh, saying that all of their um, drivers were independent um, contractors? Right. And the IRS came back and said, oh, hell no, those employees, champ. (laughs) And so now you have to treat employees totally different than independent contractors because an employee... Um, your your um, payroll um, liability is going to increase uh, exponentially when you got employees. You got to have workman's comp insurance. Um, depending on if they work more than 30 hours, you might have to give them some type of benefits. And then you got to deal with the various laws from state to state on top of that mm-hmm. and all those other things. So Uber is in a whole bunch of different administrative um, um, technicalities where their original business model is being challenged now. Right. Because as long as they were able to get away with, hey, you use your car, you also have to have your own insurance, and then we uh, get you qualified and you use the app, and then whatever we charge, we take the biggest cut, and then we give you your cut out of it. Uber was making a killing, right? Mm-hmm. But now that they have all this extra stuff going on and they're trying to do all this expansion and now they have to treat all these drivers like employees, they're absorbing a whole lot more costs. So I would imagine if we took a look at Uber's 
trend line um, on a graph and then also uh, start taking a look at their financials and everything, mm -hmm. I can promise you that trend line is looking very volatile. It's probably red. Yeah, it and is. And probably all over the place like somebody having a heart attack, uh, EKG heart attack. <laughs> I can promise you that just with all, what I know off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm looking at it right here, and it. it sure is. Yeah. Okay. So you see how these here characteristics um, started to come into play? Yeah. Now their 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 earnings, at least their quarterly earnings, they're surpassing their quarterly earnings. So that's a good yeah, sign. That their earnings, but when they start taking a look at their operational expenses, ah. so you can earn a whole lot. And see, typically, whenever I'm dealing with someone and I'm talking to someone in a business setting, mm -hmm. and they constantly refer to their revenue, yeah, and not their profit, red flag. Because you could be making $10 billion, but if your operational cost is $11 billion, you still at a loss, right? Right. So you have to listen and pay attention. Are they talking about their earnings? Because earnings, is that really net profit or is that just revenue? You're right. You have to take You're a right. look at all of that stuff. And then you start looking at their financials, look at the income, look at the net profit, look at all the debt on the balance sheet. Look at the cash flow is more going out than coming in. Those financials going to tell you a whole lot. Now, I'm going to their financials right now. Okay. Their total revenue. Now, do they have two years or three years worth of financials? Since 2019. Oh, I'm sorry, since 2018. So, so a little over three. So they got three or at years. At least three. Okay, they got three years of data. So what are you looking at now? The income statement? Yeah, I've got their income statement here, and I see the total revenue. Okay, so what is that? Is that total revenue increasing from year to year, from 2018 to 19 to 20? Is it steadily going up? So from 2018, it increased to 2019. From 2019 to 2020, it decreased. But then from 2020 to 2021, it increased. All right, so now that 2020, um, COVID-19 would probably explain that. Right. And uh, can you take a look at the net profit? Can you go down on those same income statements and see what their net profit is? They probably took a beating in 2020. I can see the gross profit. What's the the gross profit works? All right. So the gross profit for 2018 is five mil. Uh huh. 5.6. Uh, 2019 6.9. Good. 2020 5.9. They went backwards. 2021 8.1. They went back up. So Uber really suffer because their whole business model relies on people um, using the app to travel back and forth, right? Mm -hmm. And we went uh, 18. How many months did we go where everybody was locked down and when nobody moving around at all? Had to be at least three to six months. Yeah, so they probably hemorrhaged. Probably the whole year of 2019, to be honest. Yeah, they, they, they hemorrhaged a whole lot. Yeah. So you see how these financials work, and then if you take a look at the uh, – balance sheet and mm -hmm. you start looking at the liabilities their total liabilities um i would probably imagine that the liabilities from 2018 to 2019 to 2020 to 2021 all kept going up uh expenses no, no liabilities. liabilities the expenses that's going to be on the income statement the liabilities on the balance sheet now where is their balance sheet statistics no Analysis. 
Uh, I don't know where you at. Yahoo Finance. You in Yahoo Finance? Yep. Balance sheet. Where with their? Does Yahoo Finance allow you to see? Yeah, it should allow you to see. Um, Maybe the chart we're looking for expenses. Bear with us, folks. We doing yeah. a live, <laughs> live but so, not visually so live. You, so you should be on the financial statements. Okay. All right, and um, balance sheet. Okay, I see it right you see here. See your balance sheet. All right. So you getting pretty good at this here. Yeah, you know I've been practicing, practicing a little bit. So let's look at the liabilities. Okay. On the, on the balance sheet, you're gonna have assets. You're gonna have liabilities, and you're gonna have equity. Let's look at the liability section. Because a liability means debt, right? Right. So in 2018, uh-huh. 13.6 million. Debt? Yep. Okay. Liability. 2019. Now, before you go, before you go, uh-huh. so remember what you said for income 5.6 million, but 13, over 13 million in debt. Yeah. Remember that? Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's go on 19 liability. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pull them up side by side right here. We were looking at the gross profit, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Let me just pull that up right here. Pull that up right here. All right. So gross profit, 2018, 5.6. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're looking at liabilities, mm-hmm. 2018, 13.6. Man, eight, eight, eight million off, right? Yeah. All right, so let's go to 2019. 2019. <laughs> 7.2 profit. Uh-huh. Or revenue. Uh profit is 6.9. Liabilities 16.5. There we go. 9. 2020. Right mhm. 19.4. Mhm. 2021, 23.4. See how that debt keep going up? Right. But the income ain't keeping up with the debt? Yeah. So they had a loss. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. They had a loss for real. That's where that line looking crazy. Wow. And yeah, that's, so that's and that's probably why they conveniently don't have a PE ratio. Yeah. <laughs> man. <laughs> Look at that. Man, why are we over here dogging them out like that, man? <laughs> Sorry, Uber. Y'all was just our educational example for the day. Man, we're going to have to start doing this in Zoom for the people to be able to see this live so that we can really add value. Yeah. But we are going to do this on the Patreon page. Uh, that's a shameless plug for y'all to go over there and subscribe to the I Got Sense podcast on Patreon. There it is there. But, yeah, so you see how these here characteristics work right here. You start uh, taking a look at uh, the viability of the company, mm-hmm. um, their market cap, their P ratio. Um, take a look at the details in the financial statements. It'll tell you a whole lot, won't it? It sure will. So that's why I have a great track record with making recommendations, and that's why I tell you um, a lot of times I'm not going to come out publicly and make no recommendations until I have truly and fully vetted a company. Right. And uh, it's a lot, of, like I say, it's a lot of those other self-appointed uh, gurus out there they couldn't even explain to you what a P ratio is. They never heard of it before. <laughs> but they selling that course for thirty seven fifty though. So we covered one, two, three. Mm-hmm. 
I think we got a few more steps. Yeah, well, the next thing we have to do after we done looked at the financials, we done looked at market cap P ratio, we want to be in a relationship for a long term. Um, is the company buying back their own shares? That's because number four. That's number four. That's a great sign because when a company is buying back their shares, guess what all the shareholders are doing? They making a fortune mm. because the company is taking back all those outstanding shares out there to the public. They trying to slow down how many people can get. It's like, whoa, horsey, let's pull some of them back. Whoa. But as they buy all those shares, that's, in create, that's, that's a, uh, increasing the trade volume and making the value of the stock go up even higher. So if you already holding on the shares and the company is buying back the shares, they're driving up the price. And then typically with a buyback, the company is also increasing the dividends. Now, what are some examples or what is an example of a company that's bought back shares recently? Uh, Nike, NVIDIA, all the blue chips. Okay. All the blue chips. Over the last year, are there any? Uh, yeah, all of the Everyone I just mentioned. Because remember uh, when remember when we did the first stimulus and the PPP loan uh-huh. and all these here companies got all that money back? Uh-huh. Guess what the Congress was yelling and screaming about? These companies got all this here PPP loan money, and they were supposed to be helping out their employees, but they used all that damn money to buy back their shares. <laughs> I do remember that. You remember all of that? I do yeah, folks, that. if y'all uh, want to learn more about that, go back and Google um, major corporations buy back their outstanding shares. You can read all about it. But when you when a company buys back its own shares, that removes shares that are available for the public for you and I to go out and buy them. And then because they're buying them back, that um, trade activity of buys also drives up the price. And when they buy those shares back, then guess what they do? They vote to pay out more dividends because now they can pay out more dividends because they actually paying out less money because it ain't as many shares out there that's owned by other. They own the shares themselves. Mm. Is that making sense or am I talking too much? No, that's, too making, much that's making sense. Gibberish, okay. That's making sense. I'm over here doing some cross-reference checks on some of the stocks that I'm investing in, checking out the liabilities <laughs> versus the profits. <laughs> now, one, You know, one day, Andre, I hope it is our wish that over time, we have uh, continued to uh, uh, knowledge share with the public uh, with our financial uh, education platform here on the I Got Sense podcast, but also we accumulate so many shares in um, some particular companies that um, we have enough shares where that company contact us and invite us to be on their board. You know, that is a long-standing goal of mine as well. If you want to get on a board of directors, keep accumulating shares in that company. Well, shoot. Get to 9%. I promise you they'll be in touch with you. <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> I promise you. All right, let's see. Moving on to number five. This is the simplest one right here, and this is why I can't understand why people don't get this here fundamental. But if it's a company that you're looking to invest in, look at that business model. Is that business model easy to understand? 
Is it easy to understand Nike's business model? It is. You go, you buy a shoe, you buy some clothes, they make money. But not only that, what is remember in a couple of episodes we've talked about sustainable competitive advantage. What is Nike's SCA? What is Nike's S, uh, sustainable competitive advantage? They have the elite athletes. They they spend all their money Invested going to get in. the top athlete yep. in every sports. Mm-hmm. And they get that a top athlete to wear their product. Mm-hmm. And when that top athlete wears that product, what does that make everybody else go do? Want to go buy the product. Everybody else goes buy the product because I can promise you I'm a Nike man myself. Got a lot, a lot of Nike shares, but I will openly say that when it comes to um, practical and comfortable shoe, mm-hmm. Adidas is better. New Balance is definitely better. Right. Reebok is better. Because I need to get me another $26 worth of insoles to put in Nikes because those feel like I'm walking on a brick. <laughs> but when it comes to style, design, availability, Who's winning? Nike. Yeah. And 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 we've 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 got a, a ton of uh instances where the top athletes themselves have been caught with their hand in the cookie jar, starting with Tiger Woods, because remember Nike went out and signed uh Tiger Woods mm-hmm. and come to find out the Nike balls and the Nike clubs that you buy Ain't the same damn. They ain't the same damn balls that uh, Tiger. Tiger hit. Wood was hitting. <laughs> in, in the same club, he, his stuff is special made with special materials. You getting the generic stuff? Ain't that something? Uh, you think LeBron James wear the same kind of <laughs> Nikes? Heck no. That we when we go get his LeBron. Heck two, no. Three, they got to protect the asset. Yeah, he he's got they going the in there spe- sculpting his foot and mm-hmm. getting the pressure points and the the soft areas and all special padding and uh, insoles and everything. That ain't when you buy a shoe, you ain't getting all that stuff. They getting the premium, but I, I I'm not mad at it at all. You can understand Nike's business model. Nike's business model is if you want to be the best at the sports that you participating in. Get the same kind of shoe as the number the best. one guy. Exactly. So we, we we covered a lot today. And I'll do a quick recap before we close out. We got. And you did some live demos too, man. This is the first time you did some live demos in here. It is. It is. Y'all going to have to follow along with your ears, though, and not your eyes. But um, if you go over to that Patreon account, you'll be able to follow along with your eyes and ears. Yes, sir. But yeah, man, uh, ways you can spot characteristics of a good stock investment number one long-term viability Mm -hmm. number two market cap for the business and with that market cap you should dive a little deep and look at the p ratio and do some analysis there number three good financial statements Mm -hmm. look at that uh income statement that balance sheet the liability on the balance sheet and the statement of cash flow number four Company is buying back shares. That's a telltale sign that that stock value is going up and those dividend checks are getting bigger. Number five, easy to understand business model. Hey, if you see that product and it's a good product and it makes sense and you know why they're making money, you can't go wrong. If those five things are happening right there, that's probably a good investment. Now, go back and look at your portfolio and look at all those stocks you got in there. 
And then you probably identify a whole bunch of chumps you got. Because <laughs> <laughs> we getting our investment advisement from the wrong folks. Right. Come over to the Patreon page. Hit your boy DJ Dividends up. I'll get you on the right track. Yeah, it is. Duh. Well, shoot, before we close it out, Shy, you got any book recommendations? Yes, sir. I got a great recommendation this weekend. That recommendation is The Investor's Guide for Bear Markets. It's a book that's published by uh, published by Fisher Investments, the uh, financial company. But it's a great book. It tells you about a lot of financial analysis and details that you can look for when the stock market is in a recession because that's the best time to go out and buy your stocks and get them at a discount. So The Investor's Guide for Bear Markets by Fish Investments, great book to read. Well, folks, we definitely appreciate y'all for tuning in to another episode of the I Got Sense podcast. We very much so hope that you tuned in with a notepad and a pencil or a pen because we gave y'all some free game on how Shine himself and myself seek out good investments within the stock market. Mm-hmm. And they can just go back and listen to the podcast over and over and over. Right. Every time you listen to it, I guarantee you're going to learn something new, something that hits you in the head a different way. Yes, sir. Well, you got anything else, Shy? No, that's it, man. Uh, Like I said, it was great being back here in the Southern Cali Dog Pound. And um, uh, like we said, folks, we are in a recession, but a recession means it's a great time to get some good discounts. Yes, sir. That's what I'm about to do. That's what I'm going to keep on doing. So we'll holla at y'all next week. And in the meantime, go ahead and check the show notes. You can start investing in stocks by using either my link or Cheyenne's link to get a free fractional share using Robinhood. And then once you sign up, you can also share that with your friends and get free fractional shares as well. And then uh, if you want some more spoon fed knowledge and some other great insights go ahead over to patreon.com and join our i got sense podcast patreon account we got uh just about 30 people over there so shout out to our current patrons yes and we have uh 12 people in the uh 10k challenge also so things are things are going well over here man yeah man it's a beautiful year yes sir i love it i like that coin man and when the coin dropped, the podcast stopped. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see y'all next week. Actually, we probably won't see y'all next week. We'll see y'all the week after next week if y'all don't see us next week. Oh, we, we, got, we got a lot of maneuvering to do, but we do have some special guests coming up on an yes, episode sir. very soon that we cannot say too much about, but you guys will be very pleased to know who it is. And we taking the show on the road, too. And we show sure are. Yes, sir. We show sure are. Well, Till next time. Peace. Peace.